0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Dominican Friars of the Province of Saint Albert the Great, presents Saint Catherine of Siena, her life and teachings, with Father Thomas McDermott. Father McDermott is a Dominican priest and Region of Studies of the Province of Saint Albert the Great. He is the author of "Filled with All the Fullness of God: An Introduction to Catholic Spirituality." and Catherine of Siena, spiritual development in her life and teaching. Proclaimed a doctor of the Church in 1970, St. Catherine of Siena is considered one of the great mystical doctors of the Church. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has said that she still speaks to us today and impels us to walk courageously toward holiness, to be ever more fully disciples of the Lord. St. Catherine of Siena, her life and teachings. With Father Thomas McDermott. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father McDermott, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: It has just been a joy to really break open the spiritual teachings of St. Catherine of Siena. And where we left off last time, we began to talk about the stages of spiritual development. And just to kind of recap, once again, to understand. Even though our spiritual life, some have called it a, a journey, a pilgrimage. When Catherine talks about different stages, it's not as though it's like we go someplace, stop, then go to a next stop and stop. Mm-hmm. But it is, but we do term them stages, don't we?
1: Yes, we do, and um, it's not like pieces of um, you know tokens on a monopoly board that we move from one stage to a next. Mm-hmm. I I think of uh, stages in the spiritual life like an upward spiral mm. that is continuously passing through a purgative moment, an illuminative moment, a unitive moment, and maybe all three at one time. And we hope always on a at a higher dimension of of reintegration.
0: For Catherine, she never set out to put out a trysty on the spiritual life or the spiritual development, did she? I mean, it's more of a sum total of all of her different teachings that we've kind of come to this understanding.
1: Most of her teachings on growth and the spiritual life are found in the dialogue, which was written in the last three years of her life, and which really represents a synthesis of her mature spiritual thought. People in Catherine's day were fascinated by stages of the spiritual life, It's not uh, something that Protestant classically would be interested in because for the most part, um, Protestants uh, see grace as essentially forgiveness. For Catholics, we see it as forgiveness, but also as a, a real participation in the divine life, in God's own life, which allows for growth and development. And if we think of grace as being Christ living in us, well, Christ's presence, so to speak, can increase or decrease. And so it's possible to speak of spiritual stages. What are the characteristics of you know, Christ's presence at a certain point in our life as compared to before? So this fascinated Catherine and her contemporaries, and she makes her own contribution uh, on the subject. And a lot of it's drawn from the spiritual patrimony that was available to her in her own day. And she adds a few Original elements, too.
0: Well, when we talk about the, the different stages, in our previous episode, we talked about the Christ bridge and mm-hmm. the beginnings of that ascent, essentially. And right. the second stage would be one that the faithful servant increases in love, more joy, consolations are experienced. It's mm-hmm. it's quite a, a, a special time in the spiritual life, isn't it?
1: Right, and... Whereas before, the pilgrim traveler, that's us, was mostly preoccupied with fear, fear of punishment, fear of hell. That now has, has been replaced by what you just said, good feelings, consolations, joy. And um, this is characteristic of the beginning of the second stage of the spiritual life or the second stair on the Christ Bridge.
0: As we enter into this, we also have to be very aware, though, and Catherine is really clear in many areas, that we have to be careful not to love the gifts that we receive, those consolations, more than we do the giver.
1: Right. Uh, that was an essential message of this phase of her of spiritual development and her teaching. That was the reason essentially why The Lord intervened in her own life and caused a kind of dark night of the soul, which she referred to in one of her letters as a dark night of self-understanding, and withdrew his sense of presence. He didn't actually withdraw his presence, but the the sense of it or the effect of his presence, the feeling of his presence, and also withdrew the consolations and the, the good effects, the good feelings that she had been feeling up to this point. And the reason for that, as she was to find out later, was that the Lord wanted her to learn that up to this point, uh, her love was really a kind of disguised selfish self-love, that she was loving God's gifts and not really God. So the gifts were withdrawn. Catherine began to realize the quality of her love and sense the call to a pure love of God and neighbor. And she persevered. She continued to persevere. And later she was to teach that love of God is demonstrated or seen when we continue to walk with him during the bad times, not just the good times. And then the Lord does return to her and explains, you know, his absence, that he was trying to teach her something, and commends her, you know, for her perseverance in the spiritual life.
0: Isn't that how she becomes so practical for us today? Because I think that's an experience that all of us who have entered into that that journey, that pilgrimage journey of faith, that can be the one of the biggest traps we fall in, uh, Father McDermott, is that one where we really begin to love the joyful part, and God wants us to, doesn't He? But it mm-hmm. does. We fall into selfishness, and she also warns about pride.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a spirit kind of spiritual gluttony, you know, that mm. uh, craves experience. Well, there's also the experience of the cross, you know, which Christ experienced firsthand. And said he said, whoever would be a disciple of mine was, must carry his cross and come after me. We know that in our own lifetime, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now beatified, virtually her entire religious life was an experience for her of a dark night, of no divine consolations, no sense of the presence of God. And so she says in one of the letters to her spiritual director, that she thanks God not for what he's given, but for what he's taken from her. And that's, uh, that's really a profound testimony to her gratitude. And I think gratitude is a, is a really important characteristic virtue of the Christian life.
0: This would bring up a, another important aspect of Catherine in that serving God and loving God, walking with him, you do it just for the sheer love of Him, it, mm-hmm. not for any other reason, whether it be the fear of the Lord or any other motivation, but just out of complete just love for Him.
1: Right. I think that's the point, Chris. And, uh, you know, in the beginning of our spiritual lives, uh, many times God does grant us these these experiences of consolation because we are human, because... We need these kinds of things to get on the road toward holiness. But at a certain point, he withdraws them so that we can see the call to a higher, more purified form of love.
0: One of the experiences that comes forth, too, in Catherine's teaching is this experience of tears. Mm-hmm. And it is a very profound piece of her spiritual teaching, this can we say it's the gift of tears? Yes, uh huh. Why is that so significant, Father McDermott?
1: Well, again, the medievals were fascinated by tears, and apparently they observed that there were different kinds of tears, and that the more we allow Christ to live in us, or the more we allow Him to draw us to Himself, the quality of our tears changes. Now, in our own lifetimes, some of us may have heard this expression, the gift of tears used by uh, Catholic charismatics, members Mm -hmm. of the charismatic movement, perhaps not so much as, as before, but it was one of the things that fascinated medieval people. So they uh, came up with uh, a kind of demarcation of stages of different types of tears. And uh, Catherine even includes in her uh, treatment on the subject of tears, uh, dry tears, you know, the, the kinds of tears that don't are not visible, you know, because she knew that some people were very advanced spiritually, but didn't have the gift of tears. So she tried to explain that too. And actually there's a whole section of the dialogue devoted to her teaching on the tears. And it's an elaboration of her teaching on the stages seen from a more maybe affective side.
0: It is something that, uh, again, it, when you, when we talk about gifts that if for any reason we look upon them as, oh, I have the gift of tears. And it, it she warns us again that even that can be a danger because it can be pointing to a, a selfish desire, prideful desire, or even it can mask something that isn't authentic right. in, in our experience. And I think that's that's something we all have to test, don't we?
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, the church gives us one litmus test, and that's essentially, um, you know, does our experience of this type of spirituality result in the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life or not? Are we more virtuous as a result or not? And um, so the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the Beatitudes are usually uh, in our tradition indicators of whether or not uh, Christ really lives in us.
0: In that living out of that, Christ living in us, we also have to manifest Him and to others. And that is a, a hallmark of also of Catherine that you've brought forward for us, is that friendship. That uh-huh. a friendship, not only our friendship with the Lord, but it, because we have friendship with the Lord, we have friendship with others. And she certainly had that, didn't she?
1: Yeah, she did. And I think in a previous show, Chris, I uh, cited another Dominican priest and commentator on St. Catherine, describing her as the doctor of friendship, because she had a lot of friends. She valued her friends. She prayed for them. Uh, She wrote letters to them, which we have. Uh, Her friends went with her when she went on the road to Avignon and to Rome. Uh, She had um, a close friendship, and Raymond of Capua, who was probably 20 years older than she was um, old enough to be her father. So she had many friends and she had high standards for her friends and she wanted what was best uh, for them. But she also sees uh, friendship as um, a type of, uh, um, as a figure to describe a certain point in our spiritual growth uh, of our relationship with God. So, the pilgrim traveler at one point is transformed by an increase of knowledge of God and of love of him into the friend of God. So, you know, when I first read St. Catherine of Siena several years ago, I thought, well, isn't this interesting? She's a mystic, and yet she puts such a strong emphasis on other people. But I think any real mystic in the church does that. There can't be anything of Extreme individuality or isolationism in our spiritual life. She insisted that we we had to go to if we're going to go to heaven, it had to be with a partner, with a friend. In other words, we had to be in relationship with other people, that no one crosses the bridge alone. She had her own unique way of scripture interpretation at times, and it's um, she takes Christ's uh, words you know wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there shall I be in their midst. As the gathering together of the three faculties of the soul which relate to the Trinity, but also uh, related to the importance of being in a relationship with others as we grow in holiness
0: on the second stage the imagery of the open side uh, or the heart of of Christ mm-hmm. is so prominent that mm-hmm. uh, again that what is it about the the actual imaging of the heart of Christ that speaks so strongly to people.
1: Right, and I think Catherine was one of the first proponents of a spirituality focused on the heart of Christ, but she began with the open side, the side of Christ that was pierced by the spear. It is crucifixion. And so his heart, in a sense, was not... Um, you know, visible to all to see, but only those who would make the effort and cooperate with grace, to walk along the Christ bridge, and at a certain point, to look through this kind of divine window, which the open side represented, and uh, and to see the secret of the heart, the radical, self-sacrificing love of God, which heretofore um, wasn't known. you know it wasn't uh, uh, clearly seen. You know, in the pages of the Old Testament, such as we we see it in the uh, the cross of Christ. So she was fascinated with that image of the open side, and the medieval people were. And we have some marvelous uh, works of art in which uh, Christ shows people his open side, or points to his open side. And some of the fathers of the church said that in the flow of blood and water from the side of Christ, um, we see the the outpouring of divine life in the church or we see the sacraments of, the, of baptism with water and the blood representing the Eucharist. But in any case, the life of Christ, the divine life of Christ being poured out on the world.
0: You also, in looking through that side of, they term it as a window. It, I mm-hmm. think it was in your book, you had pointed out that through this window, one sees the truth of God mm-hmm. the Father, Right. And everything always ends up, even through Christ, points to the Father,
1: doesn't it? Right, Christ points to the Father. And Catherine is, is always reminding us of truth, that uh, really the way to discipleship is not uh, more or less violent acts of the will of just determining to change yourself, but it's a matter of uh, expanding our knowledge of the truth about God, which comes through prayer such as contemplation comes through participation in the liturgy and the sacraments uh comes through scripture uh comes through human relationships and comes through study of scripture but also um wherever truth may be found and that's very dominican so for her the way to discipleship uh is the way of truth is correct knowledge of the truth and truth as I mentioned before, is the motto of the Dominican order to which she belonged.
0: Also, in that open side, it, to the heart of Christ, you see a, a, that imagery of fire. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, the fire of God's love. It It is the fire that many mystics would describe, even St. Margaret Mary Alcott. When it, the heart of Christ is revealed to her by him, she sees it as a heart that has fire and that is that's uh, very important as well
1: It's important for Catherine because uh, as much as she was entranced by the blood of christ who is the god man the fact that he bled for us even one drop uh not to speak of emptying himself entirely of his blood at the crucifixion um, all the same blood is a finite uh reality and so she She sees in the image of fire an expression of the um, infinite quality of this divine energy, which blood represents. So she speaks quite a bit about fire. One of the quotes of her that I I like is the Eternal Father, that's God, says to her, I am the fire and you are the sparks. Mm -hmm. So we participate in, in God, who is the divine fire, as little sparks.
0: We'll return in just a moment to St. Catherine of Siena, her life and teachings with Father Thomas McDermott. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Please consider making a tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us. At discerning hearts. A prayer of St. Catherine of Siena. O Supreme Physician, O unspeakable love of my soul, I have recourse to Thee, O infinite and eternal Trinity. I, though unworthy, ardently sigh for Thee. I turn to Thee in the mystical body of Thy Holy Church so that thou mayest wash away with thy grace all stains of my soul. I beseech thee, through the merits of St. Peter, to whom thou hast committed the care of thy bark, to delay no longer to help thy spouse, who hopes in the fire of thy charity and in the abyss of thy admirable wisdom. Despise not the desires of thy servants, But do Thou Thyself guide Thy holy bark. O Thou, the author of peace, draw unto Thyself all the faithful, dispel the darkness of the storm, so that the dawn of Thy light may shine upon the head of Thy church, and pour down upon him zeal for the salvation of souls. O Eternal and Merciful Father, Thou hast given us the means of restraining the arms of Thy justice in the humble prayer and ardent desires of Thy devoted servants, whom Thou hast promised to hear when they ask Thee to have mercy upon the world. O powerful and eternal God, I thank Thee for the peace which Thou wilt grant to Thy spouse. I will enter into Thy gardens, and there I will remain until I see the fulfillment of Thy promises, which never fail. Wash away our sins, O Lord, and purify our souls in the blood which Thy only begotten Son shed for us, so with that joyful continence and pure hearts we may return love for love and, dying to ourselves, live for Him alone. Amen. Amen. St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings, with Father Thomas McDermott. Those divine sparks, then, that's essentially, we're a part of that fire, aren't we? I mean, we are so interconnected with it.
1: Right, we're so interconnected with it. And the word that's important to use in this connection is participation. The fire doesn't originate with us. Mm -hmm. It's not our possession. We uh, merely participate in the larger fire which is the fire of God's love. It's kind of like the, the mystery of the moon, which some of the church fathers speak of, where they say uh, they compare Christ to the sun, S-U-N, and that all of us are called to be moons, which reflect the light of the sun. In and of our, ourselves, as little moons, we, we don't possess any light, but we can reflect it. And some moons are larger than others, according to their receptivity to the divine. So that, that gets us thinking about what's the difference between participation in, in something such as the divine life and actually being the source and the origin of divine life as Christ is as Son of God.
0: It's very powerful. Is there any final thoughts that you may have on this second stage?
1: Well, it's a rather complex stage because the pilgrim traveler enters it he's still afraid, afraid of God's punishment. And then uh, his fear is replaced by love of God's consolations. And so Catherine describes that transformation in terms of uh, the faithful servant who's now doing the right things, but not really for the right reason. The love love that he or she shows to God is not really one of excellence, but the person goes through a dark night of self-knowledge and The true quality of his love is revealed to him or her. And if he keeps on walking on the Christ bridge, then he eventually reaches the point of just being a friend of God, kind of a disinterested friend of God who does the right thing purely out of love and without any expectation of reward and is also able and willing to suffer as need be. And then there's yet one more transformation and the next in uh, the third stage, that she'll tell us about. So quite a bit happens in the second stage. Father
0: McDermott, for the pilgrim traveler today, who is listening to this and wondering, "Well, I'm not there. I don't. I don't feel or understand exactly what Catherine is describing." Should they feel discouragement?
1: No, I don't think so. And I think in the whole sweep of her teaching on this. Uh, Bridge of Christ crucified. Uh, if we take a good, good look at it, we're somewhere, you know, maybe maybe we're under the Christ bridge in the tempestuous river. And our lives are taking us in a direction that, um, that really alarms us, you know, if we pay attention to it. Uh, at other times, maybe we're, we get out of the Christ bridge, maybe we go to conf- get out of the river, rather, we go to the bridge but our motive for doing so is um, rather selfish and it's, it has to do with fear of punishment. And uh, unless that's transformed into a beginning kind of love for God, uh, it's not going to last and we're going to be blown back into the river again. Sometimes, you know, I think many times people will say in parishes, for example, that they're not getting anything out of the Mass, or they don't, you find out that they're not participating in the Mass every Sunday as they were once. And I think in these experiences of monotony or boredom, however they might describe it, you know, there's uh, that the Lord is present in that and calling us uh, to a rebirth and to uh, a newfound love and knowledge of the Lord. And that could take a very practical form of us deciding to go on a retreat, you know, with a good retreat master. and uh, But to do something about it, you know, if we're, if we're in a kind of spiritual malaise, just like if we were feeling uh, blah, you know, physically, we mm-hmm. would eventually think about reporting to our physician and, and telling him about it. Uh, and these signs are indicators. And in that sense, they're good signs. Same thing in the spiritual life.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a real... Just a, a warning beacon that kind of cries out in this is just to be careful of that spiritual gluttony of mm-hmm. you know to be aware of the of the traps of pride and and quite honestly selfishness, even though we have a good desire in our hearts, we can get tripped up pretty easily
1: right and this is why it's important to have a spiritual director mm. and not just any spiritual director but someone who you know demonstrates the presence of the fruits of the holy spirit in their lives and the beatitude, someone who's walking with the church because there's no genuine spirituality in the church that is above it or uh, along alongside of it but every genuine spirituality really emerges from the very center of the church and we see that clearly in the in the, the lives of of saint catherine but also John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, and so many others. So, get a spiritual director who is walking with the church, and um, and believes and passes on what the church teaches. It's a it's a guarantee. Mm.
0: Thank you so much, Father McDermott. You're welcome. You've been listening to Saint Catherine of Siena, her life and teachings, with. Father, Thomas McDermott. To hear and or to download this recording, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts, in cooperation with the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Albert the Great. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings with Father Thomas McDermott.